Hi, welcome to the New Covenant Presbyterian Church Sermon Podcast, a congregation of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, the OPC, in the San Francisco Bay Area. What does the Bible say about Israel? Now, Christians come down on many different sides in this particular issue, and it's an important issue. Um, and particularly practically, it has implications for how we are to view the uh, institution and the, the reestablishment of a national state, Israel. Uh, is this the fulfillment of prophecy? Uh, is this related to the second coming of Christ? Uh, how are we to view the promises of God? Uh, are they fulfilled in the things that God has given to the church? with regard to the promises made to Israel in the Old Testament? Uh, Or are there particular promises that will be fulfilled uh, in the coming days uh, with regard to Israel as distinct from the church? Now, this is related to the question of uh, the covenantal theology versus dispensational theology. Uh, So in dispensational theology, there is a a larger emphasis on things like the reinstitution of a national state of Israel. And that's because uh, in dispensational theology, Israel is completely distinct from the church. So God's dealings with the church is distinct from that of Israel. And so here in part one, we're going to look at this under two parts. Here in part one, we're going to look at the way in which the church relates to Israel. And I'm going to be arguing for the historic reform position, uh, that the church is the continuation of Israel, and that Israel ultimately finds its fulfillment uh, in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in part two, we're going to look at the the end of Israel. What What is going to happen in the last days with regard to Israel immediately before the return of the Lord Jesus Christ? Uh, is there a sense in which uh, God has completely abandoned those who are ethnically Jewish? Or are there some promises that will uh, be given and f- fulfilled in ethnic Israel before the return of the Lord Jesus Christ? And so we'll look at this uh, question under those two parts. And so here in part one, again, we're going to be looking at the relationship between the church and Israel now. And then in part two, basically looking at the, the same question, but uh, looking at it before the return of Christ at the end times. Uh, so the, this first question, uh, how does the church relate to Israel? Now, there's two things that we need to keep in mind as we think about this question. And that is, what is Christ's relationship to Israel? And then secondly, what is his people's relationship to Israel in him? So first, uh, what is Christ's relationship to Israel? Now, this is important because one of the things that we see in the New Testament is that the New Testament shows that the Lord Jesus Christ is the true Israel. He is the true Israel. And so we see this in a number of ways. One way that we see it is in Matthew chapter 2, after the record of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have the persecution of uh, of Christ and of the other uh, children who are killed by Herod, everyone under two years uh, uh, old. Uh, Matthew records that Joseph, uh, in a dream, was warned to flee from uh, Israel. And so he leaves with, with Mary and with Jesus, and they go to Egypt. And then they are brought back out of Egypt. And Matthew says in Matthew chapter 2 that this is to fulfill uh, the prophecy made by Hosea, out of Egypt I called my son. Now the problem with this prophecy uh, is that in the context, my son is referring to Israel, uh, not to the coming Messiah. It's actually referring in the past to God taking his people out of Egypt. Now why is it that Matthew can say that this is a a fulfillment uh, of, of that particular text when that text is referring back to Israel and God's salvation of uh, the people of God in the time of the Exodus? And the answer is because the Messiah is true Israel. And the Lord Jesus Christ embodies the history of Israel in his own being, as he is the one who is uh, being the true Israel, is sal- is salvation. He, he is the one who succeeds where Israel fails, and all the blessings that were promised to Israel end up being fulfilled uh, in him. And so we see this in a number of places, even in the Old Testament, 
Uh, one of the ways that we see it is if you compare Balaam's second oracle in uh, in Numbers uh, 23 with his third oracle in Numbers 24, um, it says there that God brings them out of Egypt uh, towards the end of the th- of the second oracle, referring to the people of, of God, the Israelites. But then in the third oracle, it says uh, God brings him out of Egypt, referring to the king. So there was already this expectation that when the Messiah comes, uh, he will embody the history of Israel just as God brought the Israelites out of Egypt. So too, he'll bring his Messiah uh, out of Egypt. And this is the reason why then also in Isaiah chapter 49 in the second servant song, you have uh, the servant of the Lord is called Israel, and yet he is raised up in order to save Israel. It, 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 the, the text says that it is a too small a thing that you, you Israel, uh, would be raised up to bring back just the house of Jacob and Israel, but I, I will make you a light to the nations that my salvation might reach to the ends of the earth. Uh, the idea there is, is that Israel is saving Israel, and that's because the Lord Jesus Christ is the embodiment of perfect Israel. And this is the, the reason why then uh, in Galatians chapter 3, uh, we are told that the, the promises of God that are made, given to Abraham are fulfilled um, not in his seed being many, but in his seed being one, that all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed in the seed of Abraham. There's a sense in which you could read that as this was to be the mandate for all of Israel. And yet it's fulfilled in the singular seed who is the true Israelite, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when we think about uh, the idea of Israel, we, we have to understand that it is ultimately, the people of, uh, of Israel is ultimately fulfilled with the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And even the, the kind of the high points of uh, Israel, you think of Israel as a nation, uh, the, the centerpiece of that is the temple. And we see the same kind of theology being worked out in the New Testament. Jesus is also the true temple. He is the true temple. He's the fulfillment of everything that was spoken of in the Old Testament. All the promises that were made to Israel are fulfilled in him because he is the one who is the true Israelite. And if this is the case, then, uh, when we think about uh, the relationship between the church and Israel, we have to understand that the reason why the church is Israel, and we would reject the dispensational view that the church and Israel are distinct, is because the church is in Christ. And if the church is in Christ, and Christ is the true Israel, then the church must also be the true Israel. And we see this in a number of ways in the New Testament. Again, if we go to Galatians chapter 3, immediately after Uh, The Apostle Paul speaks of all the promises of God being fulfilled in the one singular seed. He then says, you are in him, and therefore you are all, at the end of Galatians chapter 3, of the seed of Abraham. All of you are the seed of Abraham, even though you're not physically born of Abraham. And that is because, that is because you are in the Lord Jesus Christ, who is that seed of Abraham. And so if Christ is the true Israelite, then all of those who are in him are also true Israelites. And this is so much like so the case that actually what we could say is that the the those who are born physically of Israel in Paul's theology uh, are actually cut off from being Israel, and they are no longer Israel. And only those who are in the Lord Jesus Christ, the true Israelite, are in fact true Israel. We see this even if we look at uh, Galatians chapter four towards the end of of uh, that particular chapter, where you have this um, allegory that the Apostle Paul uses, where he actually says very surprisingly that uh, Mount Sinai. And uh, Hagar, these are symbols of the present Jerusalem. Now, the reason why this would be particularly uh, important to think about with regard to particularly the relationship between the current Jerusalem, as, as Paul sees it, and Hagar, is that Hagar is not an Israelite. Hagar is outside of, of the line of the Israelites. So we have Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob is renamed Israel, and then all the Israelites come from, uh, from him. And what Paul is saying 
in Galatians chapter 4 is that it's actually the current Jerusalem that is uh, of the son of the bondwoman, Hagar, and she is going to be cast out. She is cast out. She is not truly a part of Israel. She doesn't have the lineage of an Israelite by promise, and uh, and therefore she is, in fact, to be cast out. But, but, uh, but the Apostle Paul says that we are sons of the, the free woman, who, and we are then children of promise, all the promises being fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, uh, the Jerusalem that we are a part of is the heavenly Jerusalem. And so this is the fulfillment then of Israel. Uh, Jerusalem, of course, being the capital of Israel, the centerpiece of, of all the theology of Israel. And what the Apostle Paul says is that actually those who uh, were a part of Israel by the flesh, they're actually cast out like Hagar was, and they're no longer a part of Israel. And in fact, those who are, uh, who are children of the promise by faith they are the ones who uh, are partakers of the heavenly Jerusalem. The same kind of language we see, for instance, in Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, this is what, we, what happens in New Testament worship. We approach God, uh, approaching him at the heavenly Mount Zion, uh, not the earthly Zion, but the heavenly one, the true one. And therefore, uh, the church is, in fact, true Israel. This is the reason why Paul in Galatians chapter 6 will also just explicitly say the church is the true Israel of God. And, and the Jews then are not. They have, they have been cut off. Um, and then probably the clearest um, teaching a- about this occurs in Romans chapter 11, uh, where the Apostle Paul describes uh, the, uh, Israel as being an olive tree. And what he says is, he says that the, that the branches uh, of Israel were in fact cut off, and that the Gentiles then, like wild olive shoots, have been grafted into that particular tree. And so there's, there's one tree, and the tree hasn't changed. Uh, the, the tree is the same consistently throughout. And therefore, uh, if there are the wild olive shoots that are grafted in, then those wild olive shoots are now a part of the true Israel. They're a part of the true Israel because they've been united to the true Israelite, the Lord uh, Jesus Christ. So there's continuity then between the New Testament church and the Israel of the Old Testament. We are grafted into the, the people of God that is con- that is called Israel. And then the Apostle Paul has also said then that uh, the, the Israelites— who are by nature a part of the tree have yet been cut off so that they are now no longer a part of the tree. They're no longer a part of the people of God. And therefore, and therefore, if we were to think then about um, a Jewish person, uh, what must he do to be a part of true Israel? The answer is he must be converted to the Lord Jesus Christ, re- repent of his sins, confess the Lord Jesus Christ to be the true Messiah in whom is all of his hope. And then he has to become a part of the Christian church. Uh, God has removed the Jews from being a part of Israel in this sense, and he has uh, and he has placed this this sense of being Israel. He has given all these promises to the church itself. We even see this uh, happening with the Lord Jesus Christ. His explanation uh, at the at the end of the, of the Gospels, particularly in, in Matthew twenty two, uh, where he gives the the parable of uh, uh, of the man who lets out his vineyard to to workers, and and you know, he says you know the the, the owner sends. Uh, various servants to go collect uh, from the, the, the produce of the vineyard, and they're struck down. Some of them are killed. Some of them are injured. And then in the very last days, he sends his son, and the, the workers of the vineyard kill the son. And what the Lord Jesus Christ says is that when then the owner of the vineyard comes, he's going to destroy those people who killed his son, and he's going to let out the vineyard to others. And this, this shows them this, this transfer that's happening. And this is, this, this is a picture of what happened with the Jews. They're cut off from the people of God. And then the people of God then become the Gentiles. All the blessings that were uh, given to the Jews 
become the property of the Gentiles. And this, of course, happened uh, in 70 AD when, when God cut off the, uh, the Israelites formally by destroying uh, the temple and by the ingathering of all of the nations, which is still happening. Uh, we have the continuation of all the promises uh, given to Israel. And because of that, then, uh, the promises as they are given to us in the scriptures, we're, we're not to look for them uh, for the fulfillment of the promises made to Israel uh, in the, the national identity of Israelites. Uh, their return to that homeland is not the fulfillment of those promises. The fulfillment of those promises is the return to God that happens through the Lord Jesus Christ, who is true Israel. The, 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 the fulfillment of the promises is coming to God through the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the way back to God, the way out of exile, the way back into the promised land where we uh, will have an eternity to spend with God uh, in paradise. That is the fulfillment of the return from exile language, the promises that were given to Israel. Uh, not so much, and not at all, really, uh, the reestablishment of a national Israel. If an Israelite wants to return from his exile away from the presence of God, he must come to the Lord Jesus Christ and be found again to be in Israel uh, in him. And so uh, this is the, the answer to the first part of our question. What does the Bible say about Israel? In part two, we'll, we'll address whether or not there are any promises that still remain uh, for those who are of national Israel or who are ethnic Jews. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at newcovenantopc.com. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. May God enlighten the eyes of your heart, that through the preached word your eyes may be opened to behold the glory of Christ more and more.